It's Craggy Island Rugby, episode 30. I'm almost a little bit emotional. It's been a long season and we've stuck it out right to the end. We started this off as just a, a little experiment to see if there was a bit of a podcast in at Alan Deegan. And uh, I'm not sure we thought we'd make it to 30, but we have. Yeah, why not? We're, I think we're the only ones providing any sort of decent analysis of what happens in Connacht Rugby because the Nationals haven't got a clue. Yeah, they, they do struggle with us, don't they? There's been so, some real evidence of that in the last few weeks, especially around the Connacht game with Gloucester and maybe some of the games in the lead-up towards the end of the season. People were just kind of caught a little bit scrambling and, and it was kind yeah. of fancy. Yeah, especially when one, and you know, in, in one of our national papers, a guy talks about Aaron Keneally playing for us. Yeah, and there was, there was a podcast with, with, with uh, James Connolly's name turned to Michael Connolly in the podcast as well. You know, it's, yeah, it's, that, that's, I think that's why we started it, and I'd like to, well, I certainly had fun doing it. Yeah, when we say decent, it's not like we're getting too carried away with ourselves, but we, no, no, no. we'd like to think that we're just hitting some sort of level of uh, analysis that brings you something different, and one of those men who's done it all season is Dave Ellis. Welcome along, Dave. Dave Ellis. Dave Ellis is off. <laughs> Dave Ellis is in our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Dave Ellis is uh, actually Dave Finn. Yeah, we're a bit like Connacht. We're almost there, but we keep having brain farts at important moments. It's it's, it's nearly June. I'm a bit tired, and uh, we were just talking about da- we were talking about Dave Ellis uh, er, earlier, and he's uh, uh, some of the work he's done along with Andre Bona in the background, trying to ascertain all that can be difficult. Helping us to do that is William Davis. William, you're very welcome along. Good evening, Rob. How are you? I'm in good form. Did, did you think you'd make it to 30 podcasts? Um, no. Without being paid? <laughs> well, without being paid. Um, yep, 38 weeks and a day since it all kicked off, I think, the uh, season. And um, thank God it's over. I need a break. Yeah, the Pro 12 final will be on in a while. Uh, the FA Cup final is on in the background. We're in McSwiggan's pub. And let's get started with a reflection on... Maybe I'll start with you, Dave. Dave Finn, over here to my left. Dave, uh, where did you watch the Gloucester game? I watched it at home. Um, listening to... Uh, watching, watching a death Don't bring it up. and, and, and realising that it was a sign from the gods that things weren't going to be okay when nobody from Ireland could broadcast from Gloucester yeah. apart from yourself and, 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 uh, and Brett on somebody's very dodgy mobile. I thought the fact that you handed them the phone to get him in on it was, was, was a nice touch. It showed the, the commitment that you were going through. Um, yeah, I'm not a nice person to watch a match with, especially a match like that. So I was glad I was on my own. Um, I would have offended several sensibilities, um, both in celebration and and in defeat. Um, proud of the boys, proud of the effort, proud of the fans, proud of everything. Everybody else has spoken about it. The guys are going to spoke. Got got badly hammered by a bad decision, but ultimately we put ourselves in a position to win the game. But we also put ourselves in a position where that decision has a profound effect. It's been our season. It's been like, we're going to discuss the rest of the season. It's kind of like how we did. We kept getting ourselves in good positions, and also keep getting ourselves in bad positions. And that that summed up the season last week. If you want to look back to every podcast, because one of the things that annoys me about what I find when you're in journalism is you say something like, this is the only game this season where I could genuinely blame a referee. And people say, ah, that's hilarious. Rob blames a referee every week. Listen back to every podcast, even in the Cardiff game. I didn't blame the referee as bad as the decision was because we had chances to win it. But one thing I think myself and you, Alan, agree on 100% is there was nothing more Connick could do in that game once the referee interfered as he did. I think so, and you know, if, if people go on, oh no, the Saconic fans complain about the referee again. Ten minutes, just on half time and injury time, the exact same situation happened. Gloucester took the ball into contact. 
iconic player, the McCartney, goes to ground, doesn't roll away, much like the Gloucester player. Two Gloucester players come in from the side for a clean-out, and we're penalised. We were penalised on both occasions, and if you take them and look them side by side, they're almost exactly the same. There's hardly a difference between them. That is... You know, what can you do? And that one of them led to a kick to the corner, which led to the try that levelled the match. The other led to an important three points for James Hook, which which played its part in them winning the match. I mean, look, Roman Pro isn't a very popular referee, I think, in, in Irish rugby circles anyways. There was universal disapproval from both the British media and the Irish media, and even even speaking to some of the Gloucester radio people afterwards with him, there was just a general sense that they got out of jail there. Yeah, they absolutely did. Uh, it was a rotten decision. I suppose if you have to balance it, we had chances to be gone before that decision would have made a difference. You don't want to keep harping on, but 63 seconds, they were seven points up. Shambolic attempt at dealing with their kickoff, which was actually a mistake, I think. Their kickoff was wrong. We just made a complete mess of it, and we handed them seven points, and we've done that all season. And it's small things like that that bite you at the end. You couldn't fault the effort on the bare bones of a squad but the overall feeling really at the end of that was frustration because we should be playing a game at the sports ground tomorrow and instead we're not. There will be a lot said about the injuries and I think there should be, Dave. We were really down to the bare bones. I don't want to overemphasize it though because Gloucester were down to a hell of a lot of uh, reserves as well. They were down to just three back row players uh, or maybe four. So you don't, want, you don't want to overplay that. But at the same time, it was incredible. It really just felt like the Alamo really, the last guy standing in, in extra time. And we still came up with a try to get back in front. The Gloucester fans just could not believe how sticky Connick were in that contest. Well, that's should have at this that, stage. That's because there's, there's two factors from that. One, they underestimated us, and two, they overestimated themselves, and they overestimated the league they're in. Um, the German impression is the approach. There's, if you read the Guardian, there's a constant running battle between people from outside of England and the Guardian about the lack of coverage the Pro 12 gets and it leads to situations where people are astounded by the fact that Connacht won and they were they could have, should have they were astounded by the fact that Edinburgh got to the final of the Challenge Cup and they've been astounded by the fact that the English teams haven't made the final of, of, the, of the Challenge Cup of the, of the Champions Cup they overestimate themselves which means they do find themselves constantly constantly underestimating teams and we are sticky we we have proven when the chips are down when there's absolutely backs to the wall as you say Alamo style it's do or die that we will stick now we don't always pull it off but we do stick um, it was it was bare bones I mean the fact that we, we didn't even use all our subs because well first of all you weren't going to take Buckley off Buckley on, on 90 odd minutes throws a, an offload pass from Matt Hades try props don't play 90 minutes they don't play 80 minutes they barely play 60 minutes and Dennis Buckley's not there um, yeah and the fact is, is that every all 23 guys, who uh, all 46 guys, I must say, all 46 guys gave it to their end. And you had guys coming in, nobody knows it. Half the people in Connick don't know who James Connolly is. For the season, half the people in Connick didn't know who Owen Marston was. They put themselves on the line and they went to the ball. But ultimately, they, they didn't lose because Johnny May ran in from 80 yards. The reason Johnny May ran in for 80 yards is because physically and mentally they had nothing left. And that's the way I said. I wanted them going out on their shields. They, they did. They absolutely did. Yeah. All you want from a kind of, well, all I ever look for from a kind of team is to fight, and you know, get up there, fight. Don't, don't. You know, for the, the halftime again in the Ospreys game when you know, I just didn't want to do a podcast and I wanted to leave the ground. I was so disgusted with them. And since then, they've come back and shown the fight that we're looking for. 
whole whack of young Irish lads, whole whack of young Irish lads been given opportunities. Great to see Ben Marshall signing for us. You know, it's almost a straight swap for McCarney by the looks of things. Yeah, will someone remind me to bring up later uh, David Nusiforis? Is that how you pronounce his name? Nusifora, yeah. I correct myself. Uh, and just we need to talk about some of the good things that are happening there. McCarney goes one way, he comes the other. But carry on, Alan, on that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the, you know. If someone asked me four or five years ago, "Why do you follow Connacht?" I said, "Because they're my team." They said, "Why? What are you looking for from a Connacht team?" I said, "I want a Connacht team based around young Irish lads, young Irish talented lads who get out and fight and do what they can, no matter what." And 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 you know, they're up against the odds. And fine, we don't have all the stamp and the other. We don't have the best ground. We don't have the best. Uh, stadium, we don't have the best, although I love the, the clan, it's, still, it's just a brilliant, brilliant oh, yeah. place. Every um, bit as good as the shed, having seen it twice this year, as good as the shed is, and it is good, that we have something really special in, in the sports ground. Oh, we do, we do, and, and you know, sports ground's a cracking place, and people used to complain about the sports ground, the pitch, you know, imagine having to walk across a dog track to get to the pitch. Jesus, look at Gloucester, or, or Glasgow, you're walking across six lanes of bloody you know, uh, running track, and then there's another piece of grass, and it's not the only place that's like that, so you know, I think we've got a, a cracking little place and what I want to see now are the young fellas, you know, they're not that young next year. <laughs> they've got an extra year, they've had all this, they've, they've, you know, they turned it on when they needed it against Gloucester. Now they need to do it on a, a regular basis on the league situation. Um, especially with the World Cup, there's, there's, there's opportunities again next year. All that covered, they go out of that Gloucester game as proud as they can be, the fans are as proud as they can be of them. It was probably one of the most dramatic ends of the uh, season we've ever had, and most people are calling it the best season ever, really, and it's hard to argue with that fact as well. It's a little hard to argue with that fact, but the thing is, it's the longest we've ever stayed in contention in a season. Our seasons usually sort of just drift away to nothing. Mm. We were involved up till the last second of the last Pro 12 game, mm. then we got this playoff game. The slight issue is when they sit down themselves to analyse it, they'll probably think we lost the last seven out of eight games. Um, We kind of peaked on the 1st of January against Munster and after that it became a bit of a struggle. And some of the errors occurred in every game, giving away sloppy points very poor first half performances so that's going that's going to concern them um, the job now is to get ready for next season next season slightly different you either finish in the top six or you that's it it's top six there's no playoff next year it's winner of the challenge cup so and the challenge cup just to jump in there it does mean more now because you win that you get in Yes, it does, but that's only for one season. And it's still going to be very hard to figure out how that competition is going to work. Are you going to get French teams that are interested? Uh, you probably need to get to get a home quarter final. That You probably need to win them five out of six games, if not six. So that's a big ask for us because we just don't win enough away games. And one thing to remember there is we'll be top seeds because we finished seven for the first time. So there's a real chance of getting a decent group, Dave. And because winning it gets you to the Heineken Cup, because the top six is so hard to get to, maybe, we have to go on two fronts next year. Yeah, but it's down to the draw. The draw's taking place, I think, June 17th. And you could, in, a, in an ideal situation, get two French teams you don't care, and how can I put this, an outpost. Or you could get absolutely stiff, you could get two French teams who do care, and sail. <laughs> and that is could be could be disastrous. No, I... Well, the high, not necessarily sell, but the highest ranked team, a London Irish, um, who else? A Worcester who's come up. 
Um, we're not the Worcester are not going to be London Welsh, I'll tell you that much. Well, just on the issue of Sale, Sale should really have been in that game last weekend. They won two more games and finished six points ahead of Gloucester. Ah, oh, but it's okay. They changed the rules in the middle of the season. <laughs> exactly, but that's why you don't want Sale because they're actually a far better side than Gloucester. <laughs> um, let's get. I'd actually like us to get Bucharest. I want to go to Romania for a rugby game. That's what I'm demanding. I want Bucharest. No, I don't love Bucharest. Or no, I think they may have got knocked out by the Russians. Yeah. I don't want the Russians. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is, it is a trip to Sochi, so it's not exactly you're not going to you know they play in Sochi because of the weather Siberia yeah if I couldn't get a feckin ISDN line working in Gloucester God (laughs) God knows what kind of reception we'll be broadcasting on hey let's go to another part let's take a break and then let's get on to next season Stato, Stato, Stato. Yeah, the boys want some stats, and Alan Deegan is here. Yeah, just, just you know, we talk about you know the last seven games and how we didn't do well. We played twelve league games with a proper seven. We won seven of them, drew one, and lost four. One of the ones we lost was Cardiff. So effectively, we had that game won as well. We had three losing bonus points, so we scored 35 points playing with a seven, a real seven. Now, poor Masters, I love Owen Masterson, but he's not a seven. And you know, he's played five games at the end of the season. We won one of them, and that was in Zebra. Whew, that's pretty good, lad. So you know, we need a seven. Yeah, that, that's impressive. That, that was, was an impressive stat. That's just left us all like, uh, well, well, I don't know. Where, well, but Alan, we need a seven, but Jake Keenan has, has only played something like 16 out of about 45 games. I had a stat earlier in the year that reflected that, but he's missed well over 60% of his games because of injury. He has, which is why I assume we've signed this other lad from New Zealand, and then you've got um, Connolly coming through as well. So we do have a little bit of cover coming on, you'd like to think. Yeah. But it is just something that we need to be aware of that we do play. It was something I, I only looked it up today because it was something that sort of niggled at me all season that we didn't seem to do so well when we didn't have a seven. Like but there was other like we actually we also had four four games we scored three tries. Four like that's another one more try and got another four points and again within touching distance. And we played three and they all had sevens. We had a seven playing each time. So you know you're looking at the seven is a massive thing for us. The way that he, that, that Pat Lamb has us playing the game. We must have a, a seven who's a ground dog who's going there, turning ball over for us, getting us, you know, sweeping up, cleaning, or, or, or being the link man. And we need him to be a link man. It's really, really important. Hey, some of Pat Lamb's signings, right? So there's many reasons why we can talk about Pat Lamb, but some of his signings uh, in particular, the ones that were less spectacular, the ones he's been most successful with. So the big money, you know, the big the big re- overreach perhaps to try and bring in the experience didn't work. Clark and Molina covered that. But when you look at some of the guys that didn't kind of make us go, oh wow, when McCartney signed, and obviously we knew he was going to be solid and he had a good background, how good has he worked out? And how good are some of the other signings? You know, Bundiaki has added something to the mid- midfield. You look through some of the other elements John Cooney was a clever little addition in the scrum half world Quinn Roo so with you Dave all you kind of come in on this oh, definitely it's, it's the unheralded it's the ones where you go really are we signing him and that, that's, that was my automatic statement with, I may have said it about Ben Marshall really we're signing him and I, wanted, and I, and I went hold on a minute that's what I said about Quinn Roo it's certainly what I said about John Cooney yeah. um 
happy to say, completely wrong about the impact those players have had. Uh, Tom McCartney didn't know an awful lot about him, but hey, you know, he's a captain in the in the in the Super 15s. But Bundy, I did. Bundy, I was excited by. He was the bold. He was. Yeah. He wasn't a bold. I shouldn't have put Bundy in there because we were all. We, he had a track record. Well, I think it's the ones where we where the brickbats have come out have been the big names and there's been three and they've all kind of gone pear-shaped because they haven't worked out um, Clark not necessarily could have, should have been foreseen but it was a rugby related issue Mulaina should have been seen it's an age issue and James Soyalo somebody should have known that he was not right for us the only thing I say about Soyalo I don't think he was a big a big sign I think he was just one of those other signings was, I, and just one... I think he was big in terms of he was Pat's first real big connections okay. to New Zealand issue okay, okay. yeah like Mulaina was is probably the biggest disaster as, he's as big a disaster as any signing on any province anywhere in my book now and I I was you know one of the ones who said no no it's it's going to be okay he's going to do this he provided this but he didn't in the end he didn't you know and, and what we needed in those last seven or eight games was someone who knew how to get us across the line and that's what he was there for was to get it across the line Greg Clark was there the previous year and had done it up until he got his head injuries Molina didn't do it at all in any way shape or form no he, he didn't the the unheralded sign-ins maybe maybe those guys come with more to prove and they work harder um, Quinn Rue when he arrived looked like a sh- sheep out of water a fish out of water but by the end of the season or by the end of the last game he was he was flying and he'll be a big asset next year um, my one disappointment with, with Bundy Aki is you see? Oh yes. Now we're talking. Yeah. I think he lacks speed, real speed. And even last Sunday, I thought a couple of times he had to go and go for it. And what he did was just shovel on a pass. He didn't. He doesn't go for it though. Leaving aside whether he has the speed, I'm wondering why he doesn't back himself. He backed himself once the last day, and it was like, holy smokes, where did that come from? Yeah, he did back himself once, but that wasn't enough. Now maybe that's a confidence issue. Maybe. Maybe with the a hamstring injury, maybe he's concerned that if he does go, it's going to go again. But next season, he's going to have to be the leader because we're not going to see very much of Robbie Henshaw, irrespective of whether he leaves us or not. I hope he doesn't, but he's just not going to be available with the way the whole season runs out. But Bundy has to step up, and I want to see him taking more responsibility. I think we also need to be... The guys know themselves. They are fully aware of the fact that... But from New Year's Day, we've only beaten the bottom three of the table. And they are more than aware of that. Now, they've been... The performances have been up and down. There have been some great performances in defeat, and there have been some lousy performances in defeat. They know this, and Bundy is part of that, but so are all every 15, 23 guys that went out has all been part of bad performances they've all had good days and bad days they know themselves that the step up next season is so much higher given that we're assuming that if we there isn't, we are the only team that we can say at the moment that we're not sure if we're improved on this season in terms of player numbers and player depth we've a lot of good yads coming through we've got five guys going off to the under 20 World Cups who may have to get progress through quickly because the season is so losing but to us the step up has to be there both individually and collectively because no other team is going to stand still. Maybe the Italians might stand still, but none of the other 10 teams yeah. are going to stand still. Yeah, that's a really good point. I think Cardiff have to improve. The Dragons are improving. The Ospreys and the Scarlets are delivering. So it's a really, really strong point. Yeah, all the all these sides are going to get better. Um, even 
the Dragons who've lost Ashley Smith, 160 cap player this week at 28 to persistent head injury issues, which is something that's just going to rumble on and on in rugby. Uh, Scarlets drew three games this season. I would reckon they'd win two out of those three next season. Cardiff will improve. So if we think what we did this season was nearly enough, it's going to have to improve by a substantial amount to get sixth next year. Yeah. And I think it's something that we should be able to do. You've got a 21-year-old scrum half, a 22-year-old scrum half, 21-year-old out half, and a 23 or 24, I think, um, Cooney is. You know, you've got really, really important guys who stepped it up because there's no question Carty has got better. Hasn't he? The last three games. Got, and then we, definitely then, got better. When, but just, Alan, on that, the last three games, there's been a lot of things that have just gone off. Didn't realise that. Like, Cooney, wow, we could have a scrum half who's going to even be better than Kieran Marmion and at the very least is going to push him. And then Carty, now we're starting to think, this could work because Ronaldson's coming back. And then you think of the pack. Harris Wright has to come back. Heenan might be better. Fox is coming in. There's a, all of a sudden you feel better about things. Quinn Rue wasn't there in those key games. Yeah, and like, like for me, we've got the second and third best scrum house in the country because of like looking at Owen Redden the other night against Barbarians, like Ireland lost because Owen Redden was playing scrum half. Like he was abysmal. Um, and Luke Marshall, or not Luke Mar- um, McGrath, McGrath, sorry, yeah, Luke McGrath was playing because the two, our two lads, one's injured and the other has just played a game at the weekend. Um, it's quite possible one of those guys might still disappear to the World Cup from Connacht because I would agree. Um, Redden had an absolute nightmare the other night in, in a very hard game to judge but when the season starts of all the teams in the Pro 12 we will have the least disruption even allowing for the Italians now the way it's laid out is very odd because we play for two weeks the start of September and then we have a two week gap and then we start playing again um, we've got to win games in that, in that zone Absolutely. that's going to be our chance we, we thought the 10 straight weeks was tough last year. Uh, 16 straight weeks of rugby from October to the start of February. Yeah, designed either by a person with a severe fetish for, uh, for, for seeing hunky men running into each other or by a sadist. I mean, it's just ridiculous. There is physical, no sport, I mean, certain sports. You can possibly play 16 games in a row, but you do expect, even in the least contact sports, you play 16 weeks in a row, it's going to be wear, tear, tiredness, mental tiredness. And that's even before you take into account the, brut- the brutal hits that these guys are going to be putting in. Yeah, what, you're gonna, what we're going to end up with is a, is a top 14 style season where you will see completely different teams from one week to the next because you can't possibly play 16 games. This is not, you know, soccer or whatever. That, that's a, you know... These days, it's a non-contact sport. Um, you know, these guys are getting smacked around. No matter how good the quality of the they're, they're being looked after, you can't expect them to play at the same level every week. And that's why top 14, for the most part, is some of the most boring rugby out there. And they're just hoofing the ball up and down the field just to play timeout. William, is that where Alan Stack comes in, Jake Heenan, or the Sevens, and all that? You know, remember what we did at the start of the season? We put Jake Heenan in, in, in the first week when... Dave in the press conference Jake Heenan had told him that my shoulder isn't totally ready but it's nearly ready and then he goes into the first game and gets it injured we saw him play seven or eight games in a row before a second injury we're going to have to be really careful Oh, Masters didn't throw him in every away game he's capable of doing it if the other guys don't step up if Fox doesn't step up if James Conley isn't there for him uh, player management is going to be huge I'd only, played, I'd only play Heenan for 12-14 games next year well that's, that, that's, that's, one, that's one call but you know, young young players. I suppose they have to play. That you, you can't have them sitting around either. But it it does take management. 
it probably seems it's a new thing, injuries in Connacht, but the amount of time I've been watching them, we've had injury issues going back for years and years and years. There was always a list of, of unavailables. Now, rugby has become a more physical game, even in the last few years, but we've got to look at the way we rehab guys. I've seen what the Ospreys facilities are like, and I can understand now that we've a way to go. But next season, picking and choosing teams is going to be crucial. And how you... I hate the word targeting games, but that's it's going to have to happen in, in that layout of 16 games out of 16 weeks. Yeah, I think that, that thing about us, we've always had injuries. The problem is we've had such a small squad of quality players that the injuries look worse than anyone else because yeah. we didn't have anyone to replace them. However, I think one of the things I like with, with Pat Lamb, he's brought in the Southern Hemisphere style thing. He's not afraid to throw the small, the younger guys in for the most part. Mm. He's thrown an awful lot. You have to look how one, many One of the highlights of our season was the Bayon away win because we just could yeah. not believe what happened over there. Yeah, yeah, with a, with a whole pack of kids mm-hmm. and, and he's just going to have to do a bit more of that. You might get away with that in Europe. I don't think that'll run in the Pro 12. I think a Pro 12, you really need to be on your metal to win games. Well, let's not forget those 16 straight weeks of games include six European games, so that's how you manage it. Well, then, does that mean you actually put a line through the European competition and well, say... I think you could do what he did last year and and still get through in the group and top the group. But if, if we are top seed and we get a group that will be favourable to us. Yeah, but, 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 but you, unlike this season where nobody, to be honest with you, a lot of teams went looked at started European Challenge Cup thinking this is just, we're just playing these games to be playing games. There is an awful lot riding. That's the fact that there is no playoff means the winner gets into the Challenge Cup. It's a way in for teams who are. Who Just to are clarify, in. the winner of the Challenge Cup gets into yeah. the Champions Cup. Yeah. They get into it, and that makes at a, the moment. At the moment. At the moment. Yeah. <laughs> they might toss a coin in a, a meeting and change about it. As of the end of May 2015. <laughs> <laughs> Timestamp the exact date. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure I'm going to have to change my mind about this in the end, but. That European competition suddenly will ratch up on that. Teams will be trying to win it. I don't. I'm, I'm not. I, I, it's realistic to say the French teams will not take part. But every team will look at this going. This is a way in. And the team that's struggling in their league might go the opposite. Might go right. Well, we can still struggle and get through the championship. Which is why when it was switched, there's a case to be said that Gloucester decided to focus on the Challenge Cup when they realised that they could get a playoff. Now, I'm. Are there six teams likely to be better than this next season? I think, as of we sit here right now, looking at without knowing the exact details of how every other squad has been, I'd say yes, yes, there's a case. I don't. It'll be interesting to see. We know that the five teams, the six teams, the five teams that came from to five will definitely improve. They will, there will be a lot of changes to both those teams, but they will improve because they have the cash behind them. Clinetly, as William has pointed out, will improve. You, Edinburgh were improving as the season was going on, but they fell away. So we're then back to squad depth as well. Mm. And I think the big issue with us is that, and every club has these, but our fragile players tend to all play in the same positions. Inside centre, seven, and to a certain degree, loose head. Um, but, well, prop in general, we've been lucky that Rodney and, and Dennis don't get as injured as the other props, but below them, you suddenly start, they drop away quite quickly because they're always getting injured. So... We do. I, I, I do get. I do like the ideas. Like, does Conley? As I come back to the five guys going off the, to the World Cup, um, remain in the second row can also play six. Maloney and McVeigh can both play at seven. Um, there's a young lad, Mark Kelly, who will probably step up when they're away. Who is a good one? And then there's the forgotten man, the man who seems to have completely disappeared off the scene, is Sean O'Brien, a four, five, and eight. And we need to be bringing these guys through because 
there's another issue which we need to get onto, which is that you cannot expect, as we, 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 we're going to have to sit down and talk to the likes of John Muldoon and tell him, you are not playing 16 weeks in a row, because he seems to play, every, I'm not sure how much time he, he missed. He played the most minutes, Dennis Buckley played the second most minutes. Yeah. yeah, well they need to be settling on, you are not going to play every single week. Every Neither can Dennis Buckley, yeah, absolutely. for example. Absolutely, it, and Dennis is... It's more, it really, it seems more obvious with Dennis because he's, he's a more obvious place. Where, well, that's where Dennis could get hurt, and that's where Dennis could get hurt. But with John, who doesn't, who we know when John gets hurt, it's a big injury caused by a collision. He's also not getting any younger. He needs, to, he needs to be not wrapped in cotton wool. But he needs to be checked out. And there's no harm in bringing in these guys at six and eight who are kids. But we definitely need to be looking at squad depth. It just comes back again to, to management. And and rehabbing and how you train and how you, it it's just part of the whole package. We've got to the stage now that the changes we need to make are are quite are quite small. It's it's a percentage here, two percent there, three percent there. We we've we've made a leap, we've made a step forward. It's a big step. But the next bit of it, it's a bit like going to from base camp three to base camp four on Everest. It's getting harder now because the, the differences that have to be made are quite tight. And having a fit squad, it's part of it is luck. Because a player can get injured in a training session and go over on a knee and that's the end of it. But that's going to be the key to next season. And you also have the situation now where we're, we're not an unknown entity anymore. The opposition are giving us the respect we've craved for years, and you know, which is making it even harder again. But I still come back to the fact that the, you know we've had two years now of, of Pat Lamb trying to trying to play, make us play a more expansive game. He's brought in the, the skills coaches that he had last year. The skills improved unbelievably over the over the the last year and a half, um, and you'd like to think they're going to get better just by you know the fact that they you know they trust themselves more. I'd absolutely agree with that, but I would make one point. Performance against Gloucester was a bit of old-style Connacht, and there's nothing wrong with that either. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And also, listening to the interviews after the Ospreys game, the major point was about the first half was it was windy, and we didn't play well in the wind situation. <laughs> now, come yeah. on, guys, that's our home ground. Yeah. We should know how to play on that ground in any conditions and we should be saying to the team coming welcome to the sports ground it's blowing a force 8 the the rain's beating on your head and now you're going to suffer two games this season the Edinburgh game and even to some extent the Ospreys game we just didn't seem to have a clue how to either play against the wind and then how to play with the wind and that's about game management and it's it might be a point that we're sick hearing but the wind blows at the sports ground probably six games out of ten I agree with the boys I think I think we, we, need, we need to look into Williams nailed it I mean the difference between going to state from, from three to four uh, in terms of base camps is the perfect analogy because you're, you're struggling to breathe it gets harder the further up you go because you are talking about small distances but incredibly difficult to get to those places we are not going to get away, I think, next season with not having a defence coach. And then we got away with it up to a point this year, and then it started to unravel. We have they, look, we all know we're looking for a forwards coach, um, need a defence coach, we, and maybe we might, we, if someone could come in. Like, Eric is there, can he talk to the kickers? And maybe just, just take advantage of what's there. But in terms of those little things, you need to actually be prepared to admit the small differences require a lot of work. A D coach, a, a, a good forwards coach... No, I'm going to say this now. No matter, I don't get. They could get the best forwards coach 
outside of the, the, the Pro 12 and I still wouldn't be good as Dan. The best forwards coach is the one that's leaving, so can we get the second best one? Can I ask you about that point I said about swapping players around? Some things could happen during the summer in terms of signings that we don't know about yet. If they do, if it's massive, we will come back and do a podcast if, if something incredible happens in terms of signings. But right now, we're looking at a squad, Alan, and we kind of know where we're set for next season. And it was really encouraging to see David Nusavora looking at things. We don't want to say it's just him, but there's a sign there. McCarney goes one way and we get Ben Marshall going the other way. That was really encouraging. Just a point on that. Yeah, I think like if you look at the fact that we signed Cooney, Marshall and and Quinn Rue, like those two the two guys have been successful already and Marshall then gets to play for Ireland the other night. So like it's 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 positive stuff. It's obvious that, that you know, New Sephora is bought into the fact that there we do need four four teams. We do need four professional teams. And I'd say Joe Schmidt as well. He's bought and into that. Like to, absolutely. He was in the sports ground there a couple of weeks back. Yeah, we, we, you yeah, know, Osprey's when Munster, yeah. the game. Um, you know, so he, he does come up and does have a look. And he's, he is interested because it is important that there's a fourth team. And, and we have moved on. We have, you know, we, we play with a lot of flair and a lot of style these days. And, you know, I, I look, my dad's not really a rugby man, but he, he watches Connacht because, you know, I've been involved. And he said, this year they have been quite different to watch. He says, like, it, it's not like before where it was a case of well you know they'd fight hard and you know they'd keep in time they'd, they'd stop the others from playing and then they'd score a penalty or something we weren't actually producing a hell of a lot of good good rugby at uh, an awful lot of the time we just need to learn as, as you said William to still play some of the old style stuff as well yeah Alright, to round off, before you do any end of season rants, uh, we had some things we wanted to bring up. Someone wanted to bring up uh, maybe William, Michael Swift. If we didn't talk about him enough, there was a point in this uh, season of podcasts where we missed him retiring in between podcasts and never gave the respect he deserved, but it was just wonderful to see him play one last time for Connacht. Not only play one last time, but come on in the second half when they were coming back against the Ospreys and make a little bit of an impact as well. Yeah, he certainly did, and he also made a fantastic speech. Oh, we got that the a couple of last week. It was brilliant. We did, and that was it summed up what Connacht is about for the fans. And that's something I think that, that's missed a little bit. This isn't a particularly difficult gig to play. The fans are very supportive. They don't expect a huge amount. They've come from a lower base. But they expect certain things and fight we've discussed that before he exemplified that every single time he went on the pitch and that's not through rose tinted glasses I've watched some spoofers play for Connacht over the years <laughs> he was the uh, there's an outtakes podcast where he where he lists them <laughs> there's a there's a direct uh, correlation or there's a direct difference between what he did and what some other players did he was Connacht through and through and he exemplified that by what he said. He was very emotional, so was everybody in the stand. We wish him well, and maybe we'll see him back someday in a, in a management. I, I, no, I wouldn't say management, he'd be more a coaching role. I don't think he'd have a lot of time for sitting behind the desk. I think he'd want to be out there um, explaining to some of the younger guys just what it's like. And it's no coincidence that he's involved in trying to set up his own business now, because even in terms of business in his life, it's something that requires get up and go pushing hard, working that extra bit longer, it, it suits him down to the ground and I'm sure he'll have great success and we wish him well. Uh, some other things, maybe if we want to, we, we're saying, do we want to give any, out any awards at the end of the season? We haven't really thought about this in any great detail, but... Oh, it's, can I make one thing? Um, you know Owen, front of house, Owen, he got married yesterday, so oh. congratulations to him and congrats his, on, yeah. his lovely wife Patricia and also congrats to the eight boys who got picked for Emerging Ireland and I, I was looking at the, the Barbarians game and I was, and I 
Wayne Gilroy winning for his rise and Matt Heaney's biggest problem in terms of getting an Ireland cap is the fact that we have about a thousand wingers now he may not but Murray Kinsler even said this week and he's a well respected judge of the game uh, without question he was saying this week Matt Heaney really deserves a look which is great to get that outside view he's seen a lot of wingers and he thinks he's right there oh actually my first award for rugby journalist of the year is Murray Kinsler because he's just he's and and actually I think the fact that he's been picked up by TV3 for the World Cup coverage is one of the best calls because we I mean I've nothing against I think Thorny is very good but Thorny is the go-to guy for everybody else he's on he's on second captains he's on off the ball it's like it's nice to hear a new fresh intelligent rugby brain coming through like Murray's done a great job I think he do very very well he also let's be fair he's photogenic and he's also 6 foot 5 he looks like a, he looks like a, he looks like a rugby player he's going to be perfect <laughs> what are you saying I don't have a face for TV is that what you're saying um, you have well it's, it's significant it's significant none of us do none of us do when, when they did nor do we have the rugby brain that Murray Kinsler has I would, I would like to point out when, they, when Sky picked an MWR FM uh, football commentators who could do their coverage it wasn't you <laughs> <laughs> that's true that's true I'm the other one just on the whole player of the season thing no no I don't think we should I, I despise player of the season the it's a 15 man game or 23 man game or 43 squad thing picking out individual players drives me pot spot on so let's forget I, can we can we all just go with Alan's view on this because I agree with you and it's been done enough times yeah. moment of the season let's start with Dave Okay, uh, moment of the season, Kieran Marmion's try on the pitch um, because it just was fun, and because he made it made international, and he made he made international players look like like chumps, and that's always good. Moment off the pitch, last game of the season, young lad, ten years old, comes up, second row, he cleared the stand. He cleared the stand. Nobody cleared the stand. Our players don't clear the stand. Kick he cleared, the he kicked the ball, the ball from the tee, cleared the stand. Yeah, First it's a game ever. they play with the mascot every time. It all seems ridiculously unrealistic. From the halfway line, about 20 metres in front of the stand, he has to chip the entire stand, which is the clan terrace, and he did it. And he did it with lots oh, to with, spare. With, with air. I remember, he, now he was the biggest 10-year-old I've ever seen. He's the second row. So whoever's doing the kicking at his club is going to be a genius. William can have some uh, a moment of the season for you and uh, maybe on and off the field if you want to throw one in but definitely a moment on the field well they're sort of linked oh because the day we beat Leinster which is always good and the clan terrace roaring out we are top of the league <laughs> and it coming across on who I think it was televised by Sky clear as day and it was absolutely superb they kept it up for about three or four minutes uh, we are top of the league and it just uh, was something new and it sort of cemented what the clan uh, no offence to the other spectators in the ground but that's where the real noise and passion comes from well we're dropping little sound clips in here so uh, here's that sound Just run in just before uh, what? Just on half past six, seven here. Five minutes before kickoff. What are your thoughts on how we're going to do tonight? 
Well, the interprovincial match, uh, biggest game of the season so far. Two wins, so let's make it three. They've got to go out and give it, give it a good hard go, and see what happens. Okay, William. 20, just 20 minutes gone. We're nine nil down. We've got a penalty in a very kickable position. What's your thoughts so far? A very nervous start. Very shaky. Um, Leinster playing a high tempo game. Reese Ruddock um, having a fantastic start for them. Um, we've we need these three points right now. Yeah, a score here is vital. Absolutely vital. We'll hold on and just see if he makes it. It's uh, Jack Carty kicking this week instead of Dara Leader. He's missed one from a similar position after four or five minutes. We really need this to get into this game. They've survived some fairly early moments out there today, including John Muldoon in the Sinbin. What are your feelings on it now? Well, they've settled down a lot better in the last 20 minutes. Um, it was very frantic and very nervous at the start. Uh, Leinster have played in fits and starts, but holding out there on the line for the last five minutes, huge advantage, and the TMO also intervening on the try. So, yep, much better effort, and they've got to kick in now early in the second half, Connacht, and stick with it. Yeah, yeah, I have to feel we're playing too much rugby in our own half. We need to start playing the game in their half to give us any sort of chance in this match. Okay, William, it's just 60 minutes gone. Connacht have gone into the league with a magnificent try from Kieran Marmion. What do you think we can do from here? Well, it's a stunning turnaround really since half-time. Uh, Connacht have upped their work rate and they've got their precision back into their game. Um, from here, any, anybody's game, but Connacht have really got their act together. It's looking good. It's looking good at the moment. Let's have a look at it. Let's see what happens in the next 20 minutes. performance in the last 15 minutes and uh, how, 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 oh, great night tonight in Galway a great night nothing like it that was Craggy Island rugby at its best <laughs> Alan Deegan's moment of season. Well, mine was, it was going to be, we are top of the league, but it was actually that little moment afterwards when the players started looking at each other going, Crikey, we are top of the league. <laughs> and you could see them, and you could see the Leicester players going, are they top of the league? Just just seeing the reaction of the players when they copped on to what we were singing and what, you know, the fact that it was for real. And then, yeah, I suppose my moment of the season was um, that Ronaldson chip. Oh, 
against Monster. Against Monster, and then the pickup and then the feedback inside was just everything you could ever want from a Connick team. Ah, oh, it, was it wasn't just that; it was the line that there was before it, which was an amazing line out, which is a perfectly good recycle straight afterwards. The chip, the run, the catch, the pop. Yeah, brilliant. Since we were talking about Murray Kinsella, it was the kind of try he could write 5,000 words on. <laughs> My moment season in, in La Rochelle, even though it shouldn't matter because it was just a La Rochelle match in the Challenge Cup, when Niadi Olokan got the ball, there were seven La Rochelle players in front of him and with one sidestep, five of them were taken out. He had two others to beat. With a dogleg little break, he went through the gap and the acceleration for one of these. But look, if anyone was listening to our commentary, it went from ball goes out to Adi Olokan. Adi Olokan scored! Pretty much in two seconds because it was incredible um, and any other combination of off the field ones but just the Gloucester fans reception to the Connick team the last day I don't want to underemphasize this in any way because it really was something I've never seen before easy you could say for them to do because they've just won but it was n- I've never seen it it was the full ground that was there rising as one as the Connick team walked from the halfway line to the Gloucester tunnel and they gave them so much respect it was just a great moment don't let anybody tell you the best fans in world rugby are the English yes. by a division yeah. and I'm half Welsh yeah. <laughs> and, I can, and I can tell you what it's like the English their appreciation of the game and their appreciation of the opposition puts them on a pedestal in my view absolutely agree the co-commentator came over to me to emphasise how impressed he was with Connacht but it was so heartfelt and so honest I think I, my, my, one of my, my moment of a podcast of all the podcasts was when myself, William and Dave slagged you off about the batteries whilst you were in, I think it was La Rochelle yeah. Yeah. and we slagged off oh, will remotely, we play that clip? Will we? when we remotely slagged you off <laughs> and then you did it for real I, it was just oh, it was brilliant it was brilliant Warren Gavin was subbing in for you guys brilliantly on that day and he was doing the stuff in the crowd well I just played a clip of him coming back yeah. and recording me on his phone to remind me that my batteries had broken that was a good moment well remembered Rob, what am I holding? You're holding a phone that records things. Yes, why am I doing this? Because my batteries went. My batteries did not go. They went. Rob, you are, without a doubt, the most well-prepared I have journalist. Up. I have batteries with me, though. Oh, do you? Yeah, yeah, well, so some defence. You could have given me those, couldn't you? <laughs> so did you just do all that on your phone? Well, yeah, we, we have everything recorded for you. Oh, what a man. Uh, we're, we're, we're a professional outfit. Can't <laughs> you realise how I, much I said abuse I I'm going to get when I said home? I wasn't going to tease you. I wasn't going to go hard <laughs> on you. And then... And then you did that to me. But hope, but thankfully, like like the Boy Scout I never was, I came prepared. So I have saved your bacon slightly. Ladies and gentlemen, next season's presenter of Craggy Island Rugby, Warren Gavin. Warren. I thank you. I thank you. <laughs> and, and yeah, the low points of the season, I could start with one. Not putting the Pat Lamb interview on our RSS feed on iTunes, right? It's probably the biggest mistake of Craggy Island Incorporated rugby <laughs> podcast in, the, in, the, in anything we've done all season because had I done that, we would have shot up to number one because it had 17,000 views <laughs> and I didn't press one button for the RSS feed to include it in our podcast. And uh, oh. Sad, sad story of your season, Rob, not pressing <laughs> the right button. Um, low Any point. other low points? Um, of the lo- season, on lo- or off lo- the field? Low point off the season, but not, primarily because I can't explain it and I can't, I've never understood why it happened was the Exeter Chief guy doing the war dance after the game I've no one has been I've, I've, no one has explained that to on me on the pitch when we were doing oh, the podcast yeah. that, that, that <laughs> was, on his own on his own it was just completely 
unfathomable. There is no history of this happening. It was a one-off. It's, um, I'm going to come back to brain fart, or in this case, possibly a Heineken fart. Um, he, he went out into the middle of the pitch, did a war dance on all the points of the, of the pitch, and it's just... You, it was bizarre. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and a low point for me, obviously, was my cock-up of the Nigel Owens. Oh, that was pretty... Shocking. And I, I don't think we need any rants. We don't need to end this podcast with rants. We're so positive. Absolutely not. Let's just uh, roll on and uh, I think is it nine weeks or ten weeks next Friday, Grenoble, August the 7th? Oh, and only just a top 14 side by the skin of repeat. Well done, Bernard Jackman, though, but whoa, he must have been worried close those last few days, yeah. Close one. Yeah, looking forward to it. Thanks very much, Alan. Cheers, Rob. William, thanks for all you had during the season. No problem. Dave Finn, Thank thanks for putting up with me. Um, so, when shall we form meet again? Well, we will be back next season, and uh, if, if something, shoes? if there's some big, oh, oh that, was, that, was, that, was, that was a highlight. <laughs> <laughs> he, he never even got his voucher for his shoes. I still have them. Oh, you still have the voucher for the shoes from the table, Chris? Yeah. <laughs> and you didn't even attend. But that was funny, wasn't it? So That's it, folks. That. Load of crap. Out. We're going to just keep talking here and watch a pro 12 fight. Take care. Of <laughs>